we're going to begin a new series with the book of Colossians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter number one, and we're going to be there in a few moments' time. And through this book, we're going to have a big picture goal. To discover our identity is in Christ alone. To discover our identity is in Christ alone. There's so many different things that are vying for our attention that we can begin labeling ourselves as, as here is who I am. This is the thing that defines me, my car, my job, my education, my family, my children. Only you begin thinking through all the different things that define you and people can easily categorize us in certain ways. As soon as they see us, they instantly categorize us in certain ways. And that's totally natural. But As Christians, we are given a wonderful gift of a new identity in Christ. And so many different things that are vying for our attention that can possibly distract us and give us a false identity. We must go back to the word of God, the Bible, and discover what does the Bible teach us about who we are. And of course, the beautiful thing is, we are given a new identity in Christ and him alone. And so this year, as you begin this year, you may have woken up this morning and thought to yourself, this year I'm going to dot, dot, dot. And you say, last year, that was last year. And I know I made these promises for the last decade. Every single January 1st, I've made these promises, but this is the year. And granted, we look at that and go, ah, ha, ha, we'll fail by January 2nd. Well, how about we at least start today and say, today I'm going to determine to discover my identity in Christ alone. In the book of Colossians, chapter number 3, verse 1 and also in verse 10, the whole passage talks about this, but I'm just going to summarize. It says this, If you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. If Jesus has saved you from your sins, you have, according to the Bible here, a new self. You have a new identity. And our principle for today is this. I have a new identity in Christ. It's pretty simple. It's kind of obvious. I've already said it multiple times today. But I want you to mull that over. If you are saved from your sins, you now have a new identity. That changes the way that we view today, the way that we view tomorrow, the way that we view the future, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view others, the way that we view our education and our wealth and our stuff. It changes the way we view everything because now we have a new identity in Christ. Let me give you a little bit of background of the book of Colossians. And I'm just going to scratch the surface today because we're going to be talking about this through the month of January. So I'm going to give us more information as every week comes along in regards to the background of this book and various things about the the culture of the Colossae culture. But let me give you a little bit of background. This book was written around A.D. 62 by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. 
He was writing this book while he was in Rome. And he had spent almost three years in a place very close to Colossae in an area called Ephesus. And of course, you have the book of the Bible, Ephesians. And this area of Ephesus was Ephesus was like the big city, and Colossae was a smaller, lesser city. I mean, probably beautiful, because I'm thinking like Perth versus Bunbury. Bunbury is the place to be, but Perth is the bigger city. And Ephesus is about 160 kilometers away from Colossae. And so the Apostle Paul had never actually been to this particular city. But he had led some people to Christ as their Savior, a man named Epaphras and another man named Philemon. And they had come back to their city and with others started a church. And that church was thriving. And this man Epaphras comes up to some issues. And there's some problems within this church in Colossae. So he goes to Rome to go back to his mentor, Paul, and explains what's taking place. So Paul, in response, writes this letter to these people. And what these people were struggling with was actually something that looked very spiritual. And I'm going to explain this in a little bit, a belief system called Gnosticism. And they were taking the Greek philosophy and they were taking Judaism, and they were taking Christianity as far as Jesus Christ, and they're trying to put it all together. But of course, Jesus Christ and him alone doesn't really match up with all these other philosophies. They were having some struggles within this church. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter, and it's a concise letter of only four chapters, but it's very focused, and the overarching theme of this entire book is the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him alone. Not Jesus and Gnosticism or Judaism or even Jesus and religious practice. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone for our salvation. I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. You can follow along in your Bibles. And if you have your bulletins in your bulletins, you'll, you'll see the message notes there and you'll be able to follow along. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. That's a pretty standard greeting from the Apostle Paul. Now remember, the Apostle Paul, he had never been to Colossae. So he's writing to strangers. So he writes and gives a greeting and says, this is who I am. Hi, I don't know you. But he goes on in verse number three, and he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard... See, they had a wonderful reputation. And the Apostle Paul had heard of this. He goes, I don't know you personally, but I've heard about you. And what does he write? He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing 
as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Paul didn't know these people personally, but he's writing them a letter and saying, I've heard about you. Now, you may or may not care for our prime minister. But if Mr. Albanese was to write you a letter and to say, hi, this is Prime Minister Albanese. I don't know you, but I've heard about you. I've heard about the things that you do. I've heard about your faith and your love and your hope, and it's causing me great joy. That's a similar thing that's being written here. Someone that is respected and honored by these people is writing them a letter and saying, I've heard about you, and I want to give you some insight into your life. And I also want to give you some encouragement because they had, and here's our first point, reputation. They had a wonderful, positive reputation. Their reputation was, it says there, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, we all have a reputation. Something I personally very much enjoy is when I meet people that have heard of Southwest Baptist Church. And they go, I hear some good things are taking place there. Or I hear that you are helping people. One of our joys is to serve in our local schools. We serve at Dialup College, which is 400 meters that way across the ovals. And we, we serve there alongside Emily, the chaplain. We get a certificate at the end of the year, which I receive, which I have one for Kale and Catherine. I forgot it in my car. But I have the certificate and it says, thank you very much for your work. And we as a church, we sponsor various things. And one of the things we sponsor at Dialup College is the year 12 graduation awards. And we have sponsored one of the awards. And I received a letter last week from one of the students, a very simple letter saying, thank you so much. And what he wrote in this letter was actually so encouraging to me. It was a very simple letter saying, thank you so much for your support and for the cash that we gave for the award that he earned. But he says, I'm going to use this to buy clothes. And whenever I wear that tie, I'm going to think of you. First of all, well done, young man. That's a good letter to write. The other thing is, that's tremendous. Because when you remember something, it has a reputation. And quite honestly, I don't, I don't disbelieve him. Whenever he wears that tie, hopefully it's a nice one, that he will remember who helped him buy that. And a similar thing is exactly what takes place here. This church had a reputation, and it was a positive reputation. It began with, first of all, faith, a reputation of faith. Since we heard of your faith in Christ, we all know that faith is only as good as the object of our faith. We're not called to sit there and cross our fingers and just hope and hope. This is something that needs some substance behind it. And it specifically says there, it doesn't say since we heard of your faith, full stop. It says since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. That right there is the key. 
since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. When I asked those who were up here for, for baptism, I asked them that very specific yes-no question, which they all enthusiastically answered yes. I specifically asked the question, are you trusting in Christ alone and Him for your salvation? That right there is a key, and that's exactly where they found their faith. It wasn't in their society. It wasn't in their, their good works or their, their heritage or even in their finances or their religious practice. It was in Jesus Christ and Him alone. The opposite of faith in Christ is faith in me. And you can personalize that for yourself. What's your reputation? Is your reputation one that they, when people see you from the outside, they go, that person knows Jesus Christ. That person is a follower of Jesus Christ. Or they go, that person, I don't know what they believe. Or that person is a follower of themselves. I said earlier that I'll explain Gnosticism. And I'm just scratching the surface of this belief system. And the word Gnostic is literally to know. You may have heard of a person who is called an agnostic. And an agnostic is the opposite, a person that does not know. And specifically in reference to a person that is not an atheist, as in they don't believe there is no God. They just don't know if there is a God or not. A Gnostic is different. They believe that, in fact, I'm just going to read what it says from a lady named Elaine Pangles, who wrote a book, The Gnostic Gospels. And it says, emphasize, this is Gnosticism, emphasizes personal spiritual knowledge. Notice that personal spiritual knowledge above the orthodox teachings, traditions, and authority of religious institutions. It goes on and says, Gnostics consider material existence flawed or evil and held the principal element of salvation. In other words, the foundation of the salvation is based upon direct knowledge of hidden divinity attained via mystical insight. We actually see that really common in our world today. People that have faith in themselves, faith in their feelings, and they, as a result of that, look incredibly insightful, incredibly spiritual, but their faith is ultimately in their own spiritual knowledge, not in Christ and Him alone. These people not only had a reputation of faith, they had a reputation of love. And it says, since we heard the love that you have for all the saints. For they had the wonderful blessing and gift of hospitality. They loved on people that were different from them. And there's something very specific that it says there. It doesn't say some of the saints, because some people, and you included, some people are hard to love. And some people are different than us. And it's so easy to love when everyone gets along and everyone's happy. But what happens when people are different? Here we see in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and now we're given an action. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been, been born of Him. We are called not just to love God, we're called to love others. And that's what we find there in that passage. These people had a reputation of that. And they were called to love and care for people that were very different from them. 
And this culturally was totally opposite of what the natural culture was, both in the Jewish side, but also in the Roman side. These two things were totally, you would never associate one with another. And in the book of Colossians, chapter number 3, verse 11, there's a similar passage in the book of Galatians, chapter number 3 as well. Colossians 3.11 says, There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. He goes and names off here, Jew and Greek. Socially, the two would never associate, but in the church, they were together. The circumcised and uncircumcised, those were the followers of Judaism versus those who were not following Judaism. And so in culturally, the two would never associate together. But in the church, they were loving one another. The barbarian and, and Scythian, those people were nomads. And they were known as people that were actually really savage people. So in the church, you have people that are known as barbarians and also people that are known as savages in the church. And they're saying, welcome. Can some of you possibly relate? And what we see is slave and free. But it says Christ is all and in all. They had a wonderful reputation of love. The opposite of that is. I love me and it's all about me. And if you don't do what I want you to do in the way that I want you to do it, then forget about you. And that's a great way to start division within a church. And they, were, they had a reputation of faith. They had a reputation of love. But they also had a reputation of hope. They were looking for something beyond just the immediate. They were looking in the big picture. And the scripture says, since we have heard... Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, we have a wonderful hope through Jesus Christ. We are given the promise of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The moment of your real spiritual eternal life began at the moment of your salvation. Your eternal life did not begin the moment of your death to begin in eternity. You were saved and your spirit will live for all eternity in the presence of God. That's a wonderful gift that, that we have. And it says that we have hope. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And I like to use this verse when speaking with people to explain the, the reason why the entire Bible was written. And it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Here's the key. That you may know that you have eternal life. We have a hope in heaven. And that hope in heaven is based upon our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful gift that is. So these people had a reputation. They had a reputation of faith, a reputation of love, a reputation of hope. And the Apostle Paul who's writing this, I can see this being very personal to him. Because as he's writing this, he can recognize the change in these people. See, he would have understood as a man growing up, Following the Jewish faith, he was referred to as a Pharisee. And as a Pharisee, he was a religious leader. He followed the law. He would have memorized the scriptures. He would have been taught all about the law. And he followed it to the absolute T and then some. He described himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. 
And so as he's looking at these people, he's recognizing they have a wonderful reputation and God's done a work in their life because they have faith and love and hope. You see, the Apostle Paul, previous to him coming to know Christ as his Savior, he had faith. He had incredible faith, but it was based upon his works. It was based upon how he could follow the law. And he had a wonderful love for the law and the word of God, but it didn't cause him to love other people. It caused him to move inwardly and to become very pride-filled. As opposed to welcoming people that were different than him, he would oppose them and push them to the side. The Apostle Paul understood this. He had a hope that was based upon his heritage. He had an incredibly impressive heritage. He, had, he sat at the feet of a man named Gamaliel, which isn't very impressive to you and I, but at the day, that was a very impressive status that he had. He was basing his hope upon his heritage, upon his works, upon the law, and he knew after he came to you know Christ and Christ alone that that was total emptiness. And now he sees that in other people when he writes and says, I've heard some wonderful things about you, how God is making a difference in your life. As we move forward into 2023, we all have a reputation. We want to turn that around with some expectation. And that's our second point, expectation. What are you expecting in regards to your faith and love and hope in the next 12 months? I'm awkwardly pausing for effect because I want you to think about that for a moment. Because the beginning of the year, we have lots of hopes and dreams, and some of you said good riddance to 2022, and I can't wait for the fresh start, and I know that it was just a click of the, of the clock. Nothing physically has changed. But we have an opportunity now to have some expectation of God, can we be different this year? That passage continues on. We read verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read the end of verse number 5 into verse number 6, where it says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. You've heard the gospel, the whole world has heard the gospel, and it's making a difference in your life. And it says, It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. What a wonderful thing that he says there. He just said that the hope and the love and the faith that they are experiencing is increasing and bearing fruit in their lives. That's exactly what we should be looking forward to and expecting this year as we seek to move forward. Christianity is by no means a get-rich-quick scheme. It is not a promise of easy life where everything is going to be smooth and easy and no problems. In fact, quite the opposite. We're, we're never promised an, a smooth and easy, carefree life. So therefore, as we move forward in this year, just like when we plant a garden, we expect it to grow and to bear fruit. And we hope hope that it's going to end up with something more than we planted. For us, we just want green stuff and then we're happy. <laughs> but you, when you plant something, you want more fruit. In a similar way, 
we don't want to be double-minded. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We want to know and expect the things that God has for us. So with that, in your bulletin, I have the words faith and love and hope. And then next to it are three words. First of all, in the word faith, it says the word grow, same, shrink. Grow, same, shrink. How, how are you expecting for this next year? You may say to yourself, God, I want to grow in my faith this year. Fantastic. Do not expect everything to be easy and smooth and everything to work out perfectly for you. God's going to grow your faith probably in some difficult ways. So therefore, I want to encourage you, choose for yourself. Do you want to grow this next 12 months? Do you want to stay the same? Or do you want to expect to shrink in your faith? In our love, the same thing. In 1 John chapter number 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. So therefore, this year in your love, you may be saying, God, I want to grow in my love for others this year. And we're given the command in 1 John to not love the world. Neither the things that are in the world. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, it's not saying that's not talking about other people. It's talking about putting on and being like the rest of the world around us. We're called to be different. We're called to be light in, in, in through our love. And it says in verse 16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. We're also called and challenged to grow in hope. So this year... As you seek to move forward, you want to grow in hope? You want to remain the same? Or do you anticipate, expect to shrink in your hope this next year? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Titus chapter number 2, verse 13, which says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, as he was writing to these people in this real city of Colossae, he was thinking through their reputation. He was challenging them to move forward with expectation in regards to their faith and their love and their hope. And the same thing for you and I. God may be prompting you in a particular area and you may think to yourself, I can't do that. And God comes along and says, I agree. You can't do that by yourself, but let me come alongside you. Let me help you to grow and to develop, to become the person that I've created you to be. Almost 150 years ago, a lady named Frances Havergale wrote a well-known hymn called Take My Life and Let It Be. As I was preparing this message, this song popped into my mind and I started humming it. Then I thought to myself, I wonder what the background of this song is. The night that Frances Havergill wrote this was February 4th, 1874. She was in a house with 10 friends. And the way the story is told, she says, I have been praying for these 10 friends for a long period of time. Some of them were very far from God and did not know Christ as the Savior. Others did know Christ as the Savior, but they were not living for him. And she said, God was working in my heart as I was praying for them and saying, God, will you help me to 
in a very real way. I'm, I'm adding to the story here to grow in faith and love and hope. And God put her in a very uncomfortable situation with 10 people that were far from God. And she was the strong Christian. And she says, after the few days together we spent together, every single one of their lives were changed. And then she sat down and wrote this well-known hymn. Let me quote it for you. I won't bless you with my singing. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Almost 150 years ago, a lady sat down and wrote those words after she lived out her own faith and love and hope and saw other people's lives changed as a result. And that was her her prayer at the end of this. Let me encourage you as, as we start 2023, this could be the very best year of your life or it could be some of the most difficult days of your life. But that doesn't change the fact that we can all grow in our faith and our love and our hope this year. Imagine how different our church can be if we just simply each as individuals live this out. How different will our neighbors be and our families be, our workplace be, and in a few weeks' time when you go back to school, your schools be, if we could live out faith and love and hope in our lives and start it all today. One, a good way to start that is just by simply reading your Bible. In your bulletin, there's a QR code for a Bible app that you can download onto your phone. I started my own this morning, a, a one-year Bible reading plan. Let me encourage you, get into God's Word, something systematic, and help you dive into God's Word to help you to grow in faith and love and hope. 